This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. The, the story, the backstory is, I, I'm not completely convinced of the backstory, but anyway, the, the story is that um, Musa salam made a statement about how knowledgeable he is on the earth. Like he, he's perhaps the most knowledgeable human being on the earth. And Allah said, there's someone who knows more than you. And you need to go learn from him. And he's, he will meet him where the two oceans meet. So he gets determined to learn now and you know, grabs this assistant and they go out to see, to find this person that Allah has instructed him to meet. Okay? Yeah. Say that again? Yeah, it's Hawaii. <laughs> no, it's, it's not Hawaii. No. It's, it's closer to New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> Thank God we don't know where this place is. Thank Allah we don't know where this place is. You know what would happen if we knew where this place is? There'd be a bunch of Pakistani aunties out there looking for Khidr. <laughs> and then just, you know, punk over my child or, you know, or something. Thank Allah that we don't know where this place is. Okay? There's a reason some things are kept a mystery in the Quran. Like, for example, the wall of Yajuj and Majuj. For God's sake, it's not the wall of China. Can you just... God. We don't know, and that's okay. It's okay. And by the way, I should remind you of something that perhaps you weren't... This wasn't your year when I started Surah Al-Kahf, so I should remind you of this. The first story in this surah is the people of the cave. And the great crime committed with that story is that people asked irrelevant questions. How long did they stay? How many were they? Who cares? That's not the point. You should learn to say, Allahu Rabbi, Qur Rabbi A'lamu bi'iddatihim. Allahu A'lamu bima labithu. Allah knows better, Allah knows better, Allah knows better. He hammered that in in the first story. And then he tested you and me with three more stories in this surah. In all of them, you have to ask, wait, when did this happen? Who, what, where, what location? What year? Who's this young man? You're gonna ask questions about Dhul-Qarnayn. Same kinds of questions. You're gonna ask questions about Musa and Khidr. Even the two gardeners, where are these gardens? Who are they? Are they at the time of the Prophet or before? Like Allah first taught you, here's how I want you to learn stories. Learn to not ask too many questions. By the way, in this story, the teacher is going to say what? Don't be asking too many questions. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story. Until I mention a little bit to you. Think about the little bit I tell you, don't worry about anything else. It's actually Allah's way of telling the story. It's not just the story itself. Right? Which is why the outside, this is the background, this is where they went. Did they go by land or sea? Irrelevant. Yeah. Fantastic question. Excellent question. How do we draw the line between seeking knowledge, because that's what we're trying to do, and asking too many questions? You can ask as many questions as you want. Learn to ask the right questions, and you can ask as many questions as you want. The thing, the thing is not, you don't have the right to ask questions. The thing is, what is the thought process that leads you to your question? You're learning the story of Yusuf. Hey, what's the minister's wife's name? I mean, that scandalous lady, what's her name? You know? 
Well, so your, your question didn't arise from something Allah made you curious about. What Allah emphasizes, you ask about. What Allah de-emphasizes, you learn to de-emphasize. You see? I, Ratib al-Nabulsi, the way he taught this to me, even though I've taught this in the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf, I'll repeat it for you guys, because it's important for you guys. <coughs> There's the saying in Arabic, I don't know if you guys learned it, Khudma Tafalak, did you learn that one? Okay, take what's in front of you. Just take what's in front of you. If you trust your teacher, then you'll focus on what he's giving you, not what he's not giving you. What happens is, Ustav Adam is teaching you one day, a long time ago, about what's a mudaf and what's a mudaf day. But are there some cases... I know you're teaching me this right now, but are there exceptions that you haven't told us about that perhaps clearly in your experience it isn't the time to discuss, but I feel that you really should because I have curiosities beyond what you're telling me. <laughs> so Shaykh Latib Dabusi gave this epic story, man. So good. He goes, there's this guy... He's like successful in business, right? And he's made hundreds of millions. And he decides after making all this money that he just wants to teach young people entrepreneurship. He's going to teach business. He's not going into the teaching profession because he needs the money. He just wants to do it as a benefit to young people, the next generation. So he goes to business school and teaches. By the way, if you have a professor like that, take his class. If you have a guy that's been a business professor for 30 years, as opposed to a guy that left the business world and came and be a professor, go to the guy that's left business, the business world and come and be a professor. Because they give you real world knowledge, right? non-textbook knowledge. So he goes and teaches this class. And he wants to teach students by way of example. So he says, you know, guys, if you, there's this, young, this man wants to start a business. Uh, first, he did a lot of research into his product and the location where he wants to open his retail establishment. He, he did a lot of uh, research about pricing and rent versus buying. He looked at the tax strategy. He looked at the location. He looked at the kind of uh, you know, advertising and branding and the colors that he should be looking at. He looked at you know, inventory and income versus expenses. How much should be spe- he spending in the first quarter, the second quarter? What were his projections for the first year? He makes this whole story up about this guy who's starting his business. And he put it in the form of a story. Why? Because then students can remember it easier. If you make a list of things, right, then it's harder to remember. If you put it in a story, like the you know, words Arab said are feminine, it's just easier to remember, right? So he makes this amazing story and he tells it in class and everybody's like taking notes and one student raises his hand and says, so what color shirt does he wear every day? And the professor is just looking at him. Did you really just ask me this? And another student raises his hand. Yeah, I was not. I was less curious about the shirt, but his socks really concerned me. What what kind of socks does he wear? And the professor is baffled, and he goes home and he's so upset. And his wife asks him, "What happened?" And he says, "You know that story I wrote." She goes, "Yeah, how'd it go?" Well, I did a great job, but here are the questions that came forward. Can you believe what they were arguing about? How, how idiotic can they get? And Sheikh Ratib tells this story and then he says, Now read, سَيَقُولُونَ ثَلَاثَةٌ رَابِعُهُمْ كَلْبُهُمْ وَيَقُولُونَ خَمْسَةٌ سَادِسُهُمْ كَلْبُهُمْ رَجْمٌ بِالْغَيْبِ وَيَقُولُونَ سَبْعَةٌ وَثَامِنُهُمْ كَلْبُهُمْ قُلْ رَبِّ أَعْلَمْ And I was like, Oh... Allah is so offended by the stupidity of this argument 
that he records the whole thing. Can you believe what they're arguing about? What I just told you and what you're discussing? That's what I mean by asking the right questions. Allah wants you to think about certain things, but we want to think about all the things He doesn't want us to think about. What are the other brothers' names in the story of Yusuf? You know? Why? Why? Allah didn't tell you. What about his mom? <laughs> I didn't read anything about his mom. I want to know about his mom. Yes. I'm sure you want to know about his mom. But Allah wants you to think about his dad. Can you just pay attention and just worry about the dad? If you want to worry about the mom, read the story of Musa. You can worry about the mom. And then you go, what about his dad? <laughs> is, that, is that clear? Like, ask, one, of the, one of the most beneficial things you'll learn in the study of Qur'an is what kinds of questions to ask, what to th- how to think. Not every curiosity is healthy. You know, the Qur'an, it keeps asking you to think, think, think. His thought process gives you direction. Without thought process, you don't have direction. Your questions go in every direction. You know? And unfortunately, this is the unfortunate thing, you must maintain commitment to your thought process when you study Islam. You have to be committed. You know why? Because you're going to read a lot of books, and you're going to read a lot of tafsirs, where they're not committed to the same thought process. So there's going to be six pages on what color the dog was in the story of the cave. In classical tafsir. And did he have spots or not? And what his name was? And you, it's going to be a classical text. And you're going to say, I'm reading the tafsir of Fulan, and Fulan ibn Fulan. I have a jaza in it. Yes, you do. That's great. You can read a lot of stuff. But you have to maintain your thought process. And you have to identify what's critical and what's not. You see? That's not going to be done for you, unfortunately. You have to develop that yourself. You know? And to me, the best way to develop it is commitment to Qur'an. Commitment to the primary text. The more you, you ponder over Qur'an, and you look at how Allah speaks and what He emphasizes, it just teaches you what to emphasize and what to let.